Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Ralph concludes his message entitled, Love Means Lego Your Ego. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, and now with the conclusion of today's message, here's Pastor Ralph. Today we're talking about just one very short verse of Scripture. Verse 21 says this simply. This is the whole text, really. And further you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The key to having a relationship that endures, the key to having love actually, is learning to submit to one another. Now what does the word submit mean? Well, somebody said surrender a little while ago. Yes, it does. It means that. It doesn't mean that you become a doormat for somebody else to walk on. It doesn't mean that you allow somebody to abuse you. It means that there's a respectful yielding of your rights to the other person's needs. Can I say that again? There's a respectful, I respect you and you respect me, yielding of my rights to my wife's needs. There's a respectful on her part, mutual respect, yielding of her rights to my needs. The Bible says in another place that our bodies belong to each other in a marriage. And you know what it's talking about? Sex. And so meet the other person's needs is what the Bible's saying in that other passage. But this idea of mutual submission it comes down to this. I value the relationship, the institution, the whatever you want to call it, that's our family more than I value my rights. In some ways, I value our family more than I value you as my mate. I'm willing to surrender everything to keep that family working together. But I'm willing to do what Philippians chapter 2 says, what we read last week, that Jesus came into this world and laid his life down for us and that we should have the same attitude and we should each view the other person as more important than ourself. To submit to somebody means to yield to their needs, to think of them as the senior member of the partnership. And if both of you are doing it, then the thing cannot help but work. Does that make sense? Now, it goes on and it says, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does it mean by reverence for Christ. You'll submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, it means that Jesus is the Lord of your life. That he's not just your savior. He's not just somebody who rescued you or does nice things for you. But he's somebody that you view as God. He's the master. The word Lord kurios in Greek means the master. Somebody who, that I'm, I'm in a position that I need to obey this person and whatever it is that he asks me to do. Now, here's some things that the Bible says about marriage, you know, while we're trying to figure out. Because look around you, you know, there's some people here that their marriages have worked. And there's evidence all around you of the reality of it. You know, you look around and there are people whose lives have been transformed and their marriage came out of the cesspool into the light and God blessed them as a, as a result of their commitment to Jesus as the Lord of their life. Now, as you, as you look at this scripture, either the Lord is the Lord and you revere him or he's something else to you and you don't revere him. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. 
As I learn to fear the Lord and I surrender to the Lord, things work well in my life. In fact, you could read this passage like this. And further, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I mean, it's kind of got a hard edge to it if you, if you just look at it. The Lord is saying it's kind of one way or another. Either you do this or you don't do this. Either Jesus is the Lord or he's not the Lord. I want you to think in these terms. The Bible says, husbands, that you should treat your wife with love and respect. It says that you should treat her with gentleness and without harsh words. Treating her as the weaker vessel. Not putting women down, but saying that women have emotional needs that husbands sometimes just don't meet. It tells wives that we should learn to surrender to the leadership of our husband. The scripture says that God hates divorce and that you shouldn't divorce for any other cause than adultery. This is very black and white stuff in the scripture. Now, you can look at it and go, it's rigid, it's rulesy, it's, you know, I don't know if I want to buy into this. Or you can look at it and go, if I allow the Lord to be the Lord of my life, now what happens is I have the God factor going for me. There's that unexpected whatever it is that God's going to bring into my life that's going to make up the deficits in my life. And if I'm willing to surrender my rights to the needs of my spouse or my girlfriend or whatever, as I yield myself to this other person and it costs me something, now I can count on the fact that I'm doing God's thing and God's going to reach down and he's going to put his hand of blessing upon me and upon my life and upon our relationship. And he's going to take up the slack where there might be slack, there might be need, there might be differential in my life. He's going to come and he's going to be there for me and, and do the thing that I need done that we would call a miracle. Am I making sense? So it's, it's either one way or another. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. This whole idea of lordship is the exact opposite of sin. The Bible describes sin in Isaiah 53 as there's God. He's like the shepherd. We're like the sheep. We wander off and do our own thing. Reverencing the Lord is doing his thing. So if I'm not reverencing the Lord in any area of my life, I'm actually living in sin. Folks, I believe this. I believe that you can have a marriage that endures without the Lord. Because certainly people do. It's far easier to have a marriage that endures if you allow the Lord to be the Lord of your life. And you're willing to, on the basis of your relationship with Him, give in to the other person. Does this make sense? It really comes down to the, the Lordship of Christ. Uh, a, a band that was in our church, it wasn't a worship band, it was a performance band that was in our church when we first started in 1971. These were all kids 15 to 18 years old. They were teaching me something by the way they lived their life. I was learning something about the Lordship of Christ and having a pure heart toward God that I hadn't learned in my life. And I was learning it from people who were still in their teenage years. I know where all five of them are today. The third member of that band is a pastor. He's the guy that wrote all the music, and he was kind of the leader of the band. He's three times gone out and launched new churches, left everything behind, and started over. And he's in a situation right now that's a little tougher than the ones were before, and, and they've, they've experienced some hardship. I've been pretty close with these people. In fact, they were here two years ago for Leadership Advantage. And these are people who have a rock-solid foundation in their life and their marriage, and they've weathered the storms well because of Jesus. They, too, are grandparents. They, too, are now gone from being 15-year-old singers to grandparents who have successful lives and successful families. They understand the lordship of Jesus. Is this good? The fourth guy in the band 
became a pastor also. And he became a hot rod. Man, things just went really well. Everything he touched turned to gold. Somehow, he stepped out of that place of purity, out of that place of surrender. And he got caught in adultery. Today, he's a truck driver. Huge tragedy. Now, from what I know, he surrendered his life to the Lord after he left the trail of devastation behind him, and he can't go back. His wife is married to another person. Tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. The fifth member of that band is one of the, probably the five smartest people I've ever met in my life. I mean, you can tell there's some of us that are, you know, we, we work hard at it. There's other people that are just brilliant. And you get around them and, and you just don't know quite how to be around. They're just different. And this is one of those guys. He could pick up any musical instrument and in five minutes he would be playing it better than people who had practiced for three to five years. He was the kind of a person that he became a Christian and as soon as he got a shot at teaching the Bible, he was wondrous. You always have sound problems in church. Thank God we've got Freddie and all he does for us and things are working really good. But I was in this church bigger than this one and we never could get sound right until this guy came along. And boy, he just dialed it in perfect and he was just absolutely in control of everything. We had him in a management role in our church. We hired him. He had a labor problem that was some guys that we had hired and we didn't know how to solve He solved it brilliantly. I mean, it was the wisdom of God. Long before any of you ever heard of a PC, or I even knew what a computer could do, the church bought a computer, and we just turned this guy loose on the thing, and zingers, and he was off to the races. But that's what actually cost him his job. He got mad at us because he wanted to only do the computer and nothing else, and, and he got mad and quit. And that was the other earmark of this guy's life is he had a temper, and he'd get angry all the time. And and, and when he'd get angry, he'd get angry at God. And he'd say so. Shake his fist at the heavens and say so. And about 18 months ago, he died of AIDS. And all that potential is lost to the world. And as I listen to them sing, there are two songs that this guy sings solo, and one of them, I, every time I hear it, I just go, I just can't believe it. And I won't say his name, but I just wish I could just call out and say, stand here and listen to this. It'll save your life. Listen to the words you sang. They'll save your life. We need to understand that as we come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and we allow ourselves to, to surrender our hearts to Him, then out of that it becomes possible for us to submit to each other in a relationship. Out of my yieldedness to Jesus, it's possible for me to let go of my ego and the demands that I want to make on my wife and begin to say, I yield to you and to your needs. And as we go a little further in the scripture, it's going to actually say a wife should submit to her husband. It's talking about let the guy be the leader. He needs to feel like he's going places. But then it says husbands need to learn to lay down their lives for their wife. That's another way of saying submit to her needs. Learn to love each other out of your love and your reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ. Does this make sense? Now, I could end this as just a sort of a, of a, of a black and white, legalistic, cut and dried, you will do this, because that's pretty much the way it's written. But in truth, the Apostle Paul gives us the key, the only key, to making this thing work in the verses right before it. In chapter 4, 
verse 17 all the way up to chapter 5, verse 17, Paul tells us some different things that we need to do that all have to do with our spiritual journey. It says that we should be open-minded toward God. We should throw off our old, evil, selfish nature. That we should allow the Holy Spirit to continually renew our thoughts and attitudes. We should put on the nature of Christ. More than acting out Christ, we should put on the nature of Christ. We should allow Jesus a place in our life. That we shouldn't let anger cause the devil to have a foothold in our life. How many marriages are ruined because of anger on the part of one or the other person? It's Satan at work. We're in a spiritual struggle. There's a conflict going on. Don't give the devil a foothold. It says, don't give sorrow to the Holy Spirit. In other words, do the things that please God. Learn to follow Christ. Walk in the light of the Spirit. Learn to be wise and understand. Think through and understand the things the Lord wants you to do. All of that, it tells us as a sort of a preamble. And then it hits these couple of verses that I want to read, and it's like a fulcrum. It's the place that everything tips over. Here's how to live a, a generalized Christian life. It kind of ties to these verses we're going to read. Then it starts to talk to us about how to make your home work, how to make your relationship with your spouse work, how to make your parenting skills work, how to get ahead in the marketplace financially. And then last, it starts to talk about spiritual warfare. We're going to spend probably eight weeks talking about spiritual warfare and the fact that we live in a dark world. Do you know that you are a spirit that inhabits a body? You know, when you go sign up someplace on the Internet and, and, and you put in a username and a password, that username allows you to interface with whatever is going on out there. Your body is similar to that username. Your body is, is the tool through which you interface with the rest of the world. You're a spirit. You're going to live forever in heaven or hell. And the Bible tells us that in very clear terms that we're in a, in a warfare with somebody who would like to destroy us, a spirit being that would like to destroy us. And we've come in contact with the Lord, the Creator, a spirit being who would like to prosper us and make our life work. We're going to learn about that. But it all seems to tip over on this one little passage of Scripture, and we're going to end with this. Verse, 17, verse 18 of Ephesians 5 says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you like alcohol would. You do this singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves. In other words, coming to church and worshiping together, making music to the Lord in your hearts, because that's where it's directed, is toward the Lord, and giving thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the way that I read that is a little different than it's printed in your Bible, but it's a little bit more accurate in terms of just an actual representation of what Paul wrote. The key to everything with our relationship with the Lord ultimately comes down to worship. As I sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord in the presence of you people, something happens to me. But it doesn't just happen to me, it happens to God. Something changes inside of me and my heart toward the Lord. The songs that we sing often are prayers. God is hearing the answer and, and being honored by those prayers. How have you felt when somebody came and thanked you for something good that you did or complimented you? That's what we're doing to God. And it's meaningful. It says that we mix it with thanksgiving. Again, you know, you, you, can, you can serve somebody and serve somebody and serve somebody and they never, ever, ever say thank you. And the day that they do, it blows you away. 
Or you can serve somebody else and they're always thanking you and you're wanting to do more and more and more because you know that it's appreciated. And as we come giving thanks to the Lord, it does something to Him. It honors Him. But then it does something to us. Remember, it tells us that we're to be being filled with the Spirit here. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit through worship and through thanksgiving. And folks, it's really as I am filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in my spirit, that I have this intimacy with God, that I can be infatuated with God. And He begins to bring joy into my heart. And it just changes the way I look at everything. And then I look at a scripture that says that I should submit to my wife and her needs out of reverence for the Lord. Well, my heart is overflowing with reverence for the Lord. And it becomes an easy thing for me to, to do the hard thing that I might not want to do. Does that touch you in any way? You know, I think that we, we sometimes go a little light on our understanding of the value of worship. Our understanding of the value of thanksgiving. And, 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 and as we enter in, you know, I, it's, it's easy for me. You know, it's fun to stand at the back door and greet everybody. And there, there'll be times that I find myself slipping. And I, I, I'm back there for every service in the weekend. I'm hanging out with, with everybody having fellowship. And fellowship is a biblical thing to do. And I just miss out on worship. And then I get myself in, I'm going to at least be in worship one time a weekend. I'm going to come and sit through the whole worship service for one time a weekend. And, and, and it's something is, is restored inside of my soul. Times that I find a deficit in my life that I'm not doing so well. I'll be in here every single service during the whole worship time. Because it does something to me. For some reason, ancient hymns are coming back if you... If you listen to popular Christian music, you find that some of the, the youngest bands are popping some of the, the ancient hymns, and they're kind of doing it without pipe organs, and other instruments are there. But some of the words of those songs are majestic, and they, they begin to focus on the, the glory of God, and they honor God. And, and so I bought some CDs, and I play that stuff in my car. You know, it's not all the Beach Boys. And, and, and as, I, as I'm driving around, it's just lifting my heart toward God. And it says, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. As I'm singing, I sing along in the car. It talks about spiritual songs. If you look at 1 Corinthians 14, it's got to be talking about God giving you that heavenly language and, and singing in the Spirit, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 14. As I do that, something happens inside of me, and I'm, you know, the, the, I'm built up in the Spirit. The Bible talks about us being edified or built up in the Spirit as we pray in the Spirit. As the Holy Spirit begins to come along and aid us in our prayer life, it changes us, it transforms us. I've been for about three years now keeping a journal. And I just, I write in the thing, and I don't write every day. Sometimes I got something to write, sometimes I don't have anything to write. And the journal that I use looks just like this one. As, as I'm learning to, to write down my prayers, because sometimes my thoughts are so scattered. Do you ever get yourself all freaked out by something and you just can't quite complete a prayer and you're jumping around here and there? But I bet you if you really took time to, to think it through, you're probably only praying about four or five things at any time in your life. And why do I say that? Because I've taken to writing out my prayers because I, I find I can become focused. I've taken to writing out thanksgivings for the thing that the Lord did. I was talking as we, we prayed together in circle this morning, and Charlene said she wants to learn to pray more because she's finding that God answers her prayers. He does. And you know what? 
You're not aware of it. We pray about stuff and then we go off and forget about it. You write it down and you start going back and go, oh my gosh, it blows your brains. It's a way of being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and just this Thanksgiving thing counts for something. Now what are we talking about? Love actually. Let go of your ego. Learn to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Reverence for Christ comes out of us being filled with the Spirit of Christ and allowing His grace to work in our lives. Does that make sense? We're going to give you a free journal in a couple minutes, and so I'm talking about the journal a little bit up here. But I want us to take a moment and pray together. Lord, we come to you today, and all of us want to love and be loved. God, for starters, there's some of us in this room that are, that are sitting here with the pain of a broken heart. And Lord, I pray that you would come and that you would minister to those people, that your love would, would fill the vacancy in their life. But Lord, we also know that the scripture says it's not good for people to be alone and that you made a, a spouse for somebody to be a helpmate to them. And Lord, we pray that that would happen to everybody here. Lord, that, that that heart that's crying out for someone to love, that that prayer would be answered in a wonderful and a marvelous way. God, I know that there are people in this room today that are that are estranged from somebody that they love, and they don't know if they love them anymore. They're hurting real bad over it. And I pray, Lord, that, that reverence for you on both parties would, would equate to healing in the relationship, peace in the relationship. Lord, I talked to a lady Friday night after preaching this message who divorced her husband a year and a half ago, and he was the Christian, she was the non-Christian. Now she's found you. And as a result of the message, she was with tears in her eyes saying, I think I want to go back and give it another shot. Lord, help us to yield ourselves to you enough that we're willing to go back and give it another shot. Lord, I pray for the marriages that are healthy here because they're, they're anything but perfect. All of us are anything but perfect, even when we're at our most healthy. I pray, Lord, that, that you would rule and reign in people's households. Lord, that as, as we learn to submit to you first, that we'll learn how to submit to each other. As we learn to submit to you, that we'll have the wisdom of God at our disposal. As we learn to yield to you and reverence you, that we'll have that, that touch of the supernatural, that you will be doing the miracles that need to be done in our lives. Lord, providing the jobs, providing the, the cash flow, providing the wisdom, providing the resources in every area of life. Lord, prosper us and bless us. In Jesus' name. Now keep your eyes closed for just a couple moments. and I want to just close this with a, a little different kind of prayer. It's a prayer that says, God, I need you in my life. I need what you have to offer me. Um, just a way of inviting the Lord to become the Lord of your life. And if you'd like to pray this with me, uh, we're going to pray in about 30 seconds. We're going to do what we just did. I'll pray with my eyes open and pray out loud. You pray with your eyes shut and you pray silently. But if you're going to pray with me, I want you to tell me that we're praying together. And the signal is this. I want you just to look at me right now. And by looking up, you're saying, yeah, I want to invite the Lord into my life. I see you, a couple together. That's really good. Who else? And another couple over here. Good. Who else? You want to invite the Lord into your life. And you? Good. I see someone way in the back looking at me. Okay, join me in this prayer. God, I realize that I need you. God, I realize that I've lived my life pretty much as though you didn't exist or that you were far away and it didn't really matter. 
So this morning I come to you to, to say, please come into my life. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would come and inhabit my spirit. That you would come and, and, and set up residence inside my heart and mind. Begin to communicate your peace and your love to me. And Lord, begin to speak to me in that quiet voice of my heart. And give me instruction. Give me direction. Give me leadership. Lord, I want to live my life in a way that honors you, that's pleasing to you. But Lord, in a way that you can bless in a way that you can overlay with your kind of success and prosperity. Lord, I, I don't fully understand it, but, uh, but I, I get it enough to, to grab onto it, that you sent your son into this world on a mission to take all of our guilt on himself and to die as a sacrifice for our sin. And God, I want to sign up for that, that what forgiveness is available through, through Jesus would be available to me. Lord, I, I want to walk in your forgiveness, your peace, and your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. 